This is ESPN Crick Info. Bowl at Boyd's. Hello there everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of Bowl at Boyd's on ESPN Crick Info. A lot of series going on in the northern hemisphere of the planet and to talk about all of those a few careers joining us is Jeffrey Boycott. How are you doing sir? I'm absolutely ready for the ashes. I'm ready for it. I think everybody is. Yep, well, all the build-up's gone. It's now, uh, yeah, I'm excited. Well, sadly, someone who was not ready for that was Ryan Harris. And uh, the first question is also about him. Andy Wilson from Australia sent this one. Jeffrey, how do you evaluate the career of Ryan Harris? He played only 27 tests and around 50-odd international matches, but with great statistics and bowling figures. Do you think he would have become one of the best bowlers of this era without these injuries? Good question. I don't think he'd be able to play long enough to become an iconic player because he started very late. In fact, uh, I think I've mentioned before on this program that we at Yorkshire were looking for an overseas bowler just before he played test cricket for Australia. And we took reports from people we know in Australia like Darren Lehman and uh, asked around, we looked at his record, we looked at his bowling, we liked it, we thought he's a good bowler and we were talking to him about signing him up to play county cricket and then suddenly out of the blue he got a call up for Australia and he never looked back so he lost an opportunity and he got an international career I think once you see him bowl, he was a superb fast medium bowler quicker than he looked because he was one of those where he skidded the ball, he, he kissed the top of the turf, so the ball kept zipping at you as a batsman. He could move it in and out, he got a bit of swing, he got excellent control, and if fit, I believed he would have been a seriously awkward bowler to pay face for England, because when he came here a couple of years ago, he was really, really good. In fact, I... The one example I can give, he bowled superbly and cleverly at Alistair Cook. Well, anybody who's studied Alistair know that he's excellent off his legs or off his hip. You bowl there. If you bowl short outside off stump, he cuts you well. It's a good defense. He stays in. So what he did, he cleverly <clears throat> bowled across him, very full, even if it was a little wide of off stump. So that Alistair got nothing to score off, it was taking him a long time to get going, and eventually he went after one or two that were a bit wide and got caught. And uh, I thought he was a very clever bowler. That knee injury, you know, it seriously hampered him. It's done for him. And what you want to remember, as much as I'm singing his praises, and it's a good question, the replacement kid is a serious fast bowler. Now, Pat Cummins, I was surprised Australia did not bring him in the original tour party because he's very good. He has had a bit of back problem, got over it, played in the one-dayers in the World Cup a bit, a little bit. But if he plays in just two or three test matches, I will not be surprised to see him make a really big impact because they've got Stark and they've got Johnson. The kid is good. All you all have to remember is Fast bowlers, genuine fast bowlers throughout history have been the aces in the pack and win test matches. Australia have two left armers 
And if Cummins plays, the last three. Well then, let's take the other question. That's also about a career. And uh, Mahesh Purandre from United States actually sent two questions. The first of them is uh, another celebrated but underrated cricketer and gentleman Kumar Sangakkara has announced retirement. He recently was in the form of his life at 37 years of age. How would you rate him as a player and captain? Do you feel, in general, Sri Lankan players don't get their fair dues as they fall outside the top three teams that capture all the money, eyeballs and press coverage? Mm, another good question. Look, I, I was sitting with him at uh, Wimbledon in the Royal Box only on Saturday. And we were talking so many things, which we were there a long time, and we even had tea together. But he was a beautiful batsman, technically sound, elegant, very easy on the eye. Important when he got in, he was a big hundred man, very important that. And I think that uh, Kuma Sangakara and Jar Wardner have been given high praise by lots of pundits, uh, ex players, journalists. I think they've had lots of plaudits in their career for the quality of their batting. And their batting has been good in test matches, ODI, 2020 as well, which is, is not easy to play in all forms of cricket and be exceptionally good. Um, in fact, I'm not sure that Kumar has given up 2020, that is the IPL in India. He may well have given up international cricket. But I was joking with him about that when I was seated with him. I said, surely you can't give up the IPL. And I said, why, Jeffrey? I said, well, uh, every time you go to India, you need to take two empty suitcases to carry your money away. <laughs> so he laughed. And he said, no, I'm giving that some thought with my wife. So we chatted away, and uh, I was only joking with him. But today in the modern game, the IPL is huge. And he was saying that some of the... Uh, the television audience is a bit down this year, but the crowds are just coming. The money's still there. He's still playing well. 37, you're right. But he, what happens in talking to him is what happened when I was playing to a, one or two players who got to that age. It's not so much the batting, but the feeling. All the time you spend and all the time you go to the nets and then all the traveling. If all you had to do was just bat in your own country, easier. But you can't do that. Our job, we have to travel to wherever cricket is played. And after the best part of uh, 15, 17 years of traveling all the time, playing, practicing, fielding, it just gets you down. It wears you down. And I think from what he was saying to me, it's got to that point where it's just tired and it's wise and clever, I think, to say, fine, that's enough. I've finished, because it's not about age. It's not about playing till you're 41, international cricket me, playing to 46 for Yorkshire. It's not about finishing at 36. It's how your body feels, how you feel in your mind. Are you tired of it all? And he's been smart enough and clever enough, I think, to say, that's it, whatever I've done good, hope people remember it, and I'll just live with my failures. And... That's what we all do. But he'll be remembered as a really top, top, top player. I don't think you have to worry about that, that just because he's Sri Lankan, that they fall outside the top three teams and that people don't recognise them. I don't think that's true, actually. I think in the case of these two players, Jai Warden and Sankakaya, people 
put them right up there at the top. I certainly do. Indeed, and let's switch from careers that just got over this year to a format that will begin this year. That's Mahesh's second question. He says, Jeffrey, with New Zealand ready to play a day-night test cricket, a day-night test match against Australia later this year, uh, he'd like to get your opinion on this. Is this the way forward for test matches? And how do you think the ECB will go forward with this concept? Well, the ECB won't go forward at all if there's any brains. Um, I'm not sure they have. But playing day-night test matches is like playing day-night one day as in England. If you try five, you're lucky if you get one that's got a nice evening because of our weather. So if you're going to have a test match played, it's cold some days in the daytime. It's even going to be colder still. When it's cold in the day, it's going to be freezing at night. So I don't think that's smart to play it in England. I do think we should have tried day-night test matches 20 years ago. I remember me first mentioning it. I did the MCC Colin Cowdery lecture in 2005 after my cancer of the tongue. That's 10 years ago. And I mentioned then that throughout the world, crowds are diminishing at test match cricket. And it's not the quality of cricket. I'm not getting at that. I think the quality of cricket that's been played over the last decade has been excellent. Yes, we have had some occasional tedious test matches, but a lot of the time, the quality of cricket is excellent. It's interesting, it's enjoyable to watch. So it's not that, it's just that people have found other things they want to do and have found situations where it's hard to keep a job. So taking days off work to go to test matches midweek has not been easy. People are wary about losing their job. And also on top of that, people have more things they can do. More people have cars that can go out on a weekend. More people go abroad on holiday. More people play golf and tennis. There's more things available for everybody. So cricket is competing with that. And I saw over 10 years ago doing commentary in, in Asia, India, Sri Lanka, Pakistan. I thought, wow, this is the hotbed of cricket. And yet the crowds were diminishing. And I thought, we have to do something. If cricket is a product, something we love, and we want to keep it for the next generation of kids, we should do something to get bums on seats. And I think in hot countries, it was perfect to try that men in hot countries, men and women going to work, they start the day early because they're up with the sunshine, the light mornings. As many people have flexi hours, can finish early, start work early, finish early. So they can go to an afternoon test match start. And if they've got uh, children, they can pick the kids up after school. School, as you know, in many hot countries, finishes at 2 o'clock and 3 o'clock. So they can pick the kids up. They could make a family day out with the mother going. And they could all go to the cricket. And I actually said then, I think you should be selling tickets to families. There's two grown-ups pay. Children, two children getting free. Anything like that, just to give people... You know, a wonderful family afternoon, evening out, warm, nice. You could have shorts on because it's nice and warm. And with test crowds going down, I thought it was an opportunity to try something different, to try and get bums on seats. You know, our administrators, for the last 15 years or more, have been taking more and more television money. And that's great. Television pays you lots of money, good for the game in many ways. But it is not the answer. If you take it to its ultimate, 
television keeps on doubling its money and paying you more money, but we finish up with nobody watching, no bums on seats, what's the point of playing a test match? And I remember I was on the MCC World Cricket Committee when I, people were putting up this silly notion that, oh, we can't play a day-night test because the, the white ball doesn't last, it gets dirty and so forth. I remember saying, hang on, we put a man on the moon and you're telling me with all the money around we can't find a ball, whatever colour, that keeps its shape, keeps its shine, keeps its colour for a day-night test match. There's got to be... There's got to be one somewhere if there's a will, because there's plenty of money to find it. And I suggested it at the MCC World Cricket Committee. The president, Ian Marler, took on that suggestion. He said he knew people at the Imperial College in London. And through the MCC, the pink ball has been developed. It's used in Abu Dhabi, has been used now for four years, five years, when the MCC play the English county champions tried it out and it's really just people saying oh well we're not used to a pink ball or we're not used to a day night test match we, uh, it's something we're not used to well get used to it and we should have got used to it 20 years ago and people said that didn't they when Kerry Packer first had a day night one day and they played in coloured clothes and we said it was Mickey Mouse cricket it was pyjama cricket all these insults were said but now Everybody's playing day-night test matches throughout the world. Coloured clothing, people come, full houses. And we should have been prepared to try something with test cricket, but our administrators just took the easy way out and to just took more and more money from television. So I think it is a good idea. I think it's ten years too late. But you have to sell it as well, like a product. You have to get on television, newspapers, and sell this to families to come and enjoy it. And I hope it works. Well, let's see how it's received. It will be hosted by the Adelaide Oval later this year. And let's take the last question of this episode sent by Adarsh Bhargav from India. Jeffrey, what are your views on Angelo Matthews as a batsman? He may not be the best batsman to watch in the side, especially after we have been spoiled by Jay Vardhane and Sangakkara. But he scored so many runs in 2014 and scored another Test 100 recently against Pakistan when his side was in trouble. Do you rate him as a top batsman? Absolutely. What I like about him, he's got character. He's mentally strong. This is so important. It's not just about the style or technique of a batsman. He's a very good player. And when I've seen him play, and I watch him on television, but I've seen him in England, what I like about him, he seems to handle tough and difficult situations. We call it pressure, but it's really when your team are in a bit of trouble and so forth. Have you got the mental strength and character? to get the team out of it. And that is the hallmark of the very best batsman in any era. I like his captaincy. Only on Saturday at Wimbledon, when I said I was talking to Kumar Sangakara at the tennis, I was talking about Angela Mathers. I actually said to him, I think you've got a really, really good captain there. I think he's an excellent leader of people. And leadership to me, you've heard me say before, I think is a gift. And some people don't know they've got it until they're given the opportunity of captain to, to try it out. And I think he has it. I'm pretty sure he has. He's very strong, firm, but he's a nice manner. And when he's captaining, you know who's in charge. Without being bossy, you just know this guy is in charge, he knows what he's doing, and the team is in good hands.
All right, then that's the end of this episode, I'm afraid. And just before we let you go, Jeffrey, any predict any predictions about the Ashes? Keep asking me about predictions. I'm not Mystic <laughs> Maggie, you know. I'm not a psychic. I'm a former cricketer, a bit of experience and knowledge, and I think Cardiff will be a fairly flat pitch. It's not normally a pitch that has too much pace. Um, it's a bit of cool weather around at the moment. Might do a little bit. But these days, I think Australia a little bit stronger in bowling. Um, I think they're just a bit stronger with the two left-arm quick bowlers. Mm. Other than that, there'll be ups and downs. Jimmy Anderson is a big factor for England. If he breaks a leg, God help us. <laughs> He's the main <laughs> bowler for us. But no, and England have had a boost with the one-day series. They'll feel a lot more confident. I think there's six or seven people liable to play in this uh, test match who played in the one-day series, who played without fear, who played with a lot more confidence and conviction, expressed themselves better, actually won the series. And although it's New Zealand, it's not Australia, it was one-day cricket, it's not test cricket, winning creates a habit. It's a feeling, a way of mind. If you can get into the right mental feeling, it helps your batting, it helps your bowling. So I would be disappointed if England didn't make a real fist of it, really disappointed. I think they should make a good fist of it. And sometimes in a two-horse race, there are moments in a test match for each team when they can grab the initiative. And it's when England's come, when those moments still, a couple of moments for England, are they, are they thinking right? Are they good enough as well to grasp those moments? That's what it's going to come down to. I think Australia will grasp their moments when they come. I think they will. And it's, can England? Can England match them and grasp those moments when things just go well for them and it's there for the taking? And that's where it's going to come down, the win and losing of the match. Let's see how it goes then. Hopefully the series will not disappoint us and it's time to wrap things up here. Thank you for joining us, Jeffrey. Pleasure. And we'll join you again in two weeks. Until then, send in all your questions, your feedback and we'll try to take as many as they can. Until then, enjoy the cricket. Goodbye. You are listening to ESPN Crick Info.